In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. What is up? Uh, let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And my favorite thing about 2020 so far is The Witcher. Although it technically came out in 2019, I'm counting it for this year. Yeah, it counts. I'm Brian Truett. I watch movies. And my favorite thing about 2020 so far is not a movie, but a TV show. It's always an extraordinary playlist, which is kind of musical theater workplace comedy, quirky girl thing. So it's great. Lovely. It's lovely. It is, lo- <laughs> it is, it is absolutely lovely. Go watch it. Kelly is off this week and actually for the next couple weeks because she is out in Los Angeles, I believe, for the Television Critics Association's Winter Press Tour. She basically gets to see all the fun TV that's coming in the next few weeks, months, and beyond. So, Kelly, we'll miss you. Have fun. Enjoy the warm weather. And we get snow. Yeah, I know. Sucks. Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. You know what would make our 2020 swell is if you left us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, because not only do you help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, but as a bonus, we give you a shout out on the next episode. So try it out. Everybody wins. We love the feedback. Go for it. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod, or you can email to MothershipPod at usatoday.com. Uh, let's get to the main topic. Here's a clip. I can save today. You can save the world. Now, I take what I want in return. Everyone will see. The world needs you. Nothing good is born from lies. And greatness is not what you think. That was from Wonder Woman 1984, one of several big pop culture things coming in 2020. And that's what we're going to talk about this week. All the games, TV shows, movies pop culture that we cannot wait to consume in the new year. Um, while Kelly is away, we have a very special guest this week. It's Nate Scott, editor of USA Today's For the Win and host of a very cool true crime podcast called The Sneak. Uh, Nate, thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Live I'm, in studio. Today. I'm so excited to be here. Before we dig into the 2020 talk, let's talk about your podcast. It's called The Sneak. What's it about? The Sneak is a uh, serialized true crime podcast that looks at one very strange case that happened uh, a little over a decade ago in a small town outside Seattle, Washington. And what happened there was a once great uh, D1 football player, aspirations of going pro, 
got hurt. Life uh, took some bad turns. Then he ended up uh, planning an elaborate heist, which included an escape in an inner tube down a river. Craigslist hired decoys. Uh, think Logan Lucky meets small town Thomas Crown Affair, I guess. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and he put together this heist and, and we went out to Seattle. Uh, he's out of prison now. I ended up spending a week with him out um, in the small town. We went back to the crime scene and over the course of the reporting, we found out that a lot of the story had never been reported before, including that there were a lot more people involved. And we then went on a quest to find those people, of which we found just about everyone. So that is The Sneak. It comes out on January 14th. We're really excited. How many episodes is it? Nine episodes. Okay. What was it like for you reporting this? It was great. You know, I'm a true crime nut. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a junkie. I, I think it's really fun. I think audio is a really exciting place to be right now for storytellers just because you have people kind of captive <laughs> on commutes and stuff. And so people actually will sit and, and wrestle with something. And, you know, for this, I got to work with my one of my oldest friends, Anthony Pacillo, who is a uh, writer for HBO. He was in the Game of Thrones writing room. He was in a, he's worked with them in a bunch of other shows. Game of Thrones ended. He had some free time and we decided we wanted to go and try and do a true crime podcast. And so, you know, reporting this was uh, like all great, I think, reported stories. We thought it would be one thing. And then over the course of doing it, it turned into something completely different. And <laughs> the story we thought we were going to tell, we ended up telling in the first two episodes and then sort of moved on from there. And, and that was kind of, I guess, the fun part of it. And just getting to know a supremely fascinating person and, and Anthony Curcio, who is the subject of the season. So what's this guy like? I mean, you had me from the inner tube. I want to hear what that was all about because that that's fascinating. But what is that dude like? You know, does he have some perspective about the whole story now? He does. And that's why I really love getting to know him is he's very introspective and very, you know, I have now we're working on season two of The Sneak, which is really exciting. Um, I should probably just keep talking about season one, but we were talking to a double murderer and there was there's no introspection. There's no it's just kind of cold blankness, which is scary and weird. And anyway, uh, Anthony Curcio, who, who, spoiler alert, committed the crime. Not that hard to find out. He's obsessive. He is brilliant. And what I loved so much about him and something we explored a lot is he is he's a movie fanatic. When he was arrested, he was in a warehouse hanging out most of his time in a warehouse that had good fellows on the wall and usual suspects. And he, and he was obsessed and he really wanted to make kind of the greatest story imaginable with his crime. And what was really funny was we walked the crime scene with him and where he committed the crime at this Bank of America, where he robbed $400,000 from Brink's truck. There's two highways. He could have gotten in a car and gone in any, he could have been 50 miles away by the time anyone even got there. And instead he made a run a quarter mile and then he got into an inner tube and went down a river which was also in a weird way kind of genius but when I was walking with him I pointed that out and he looked at me like I was an idiot like what what why would you even bring that that's so unimaginative so I think for him that was you know the the he's a huge planner he's very obsessive but also he is someone who is kind of just drawn and loves a good story so Nate works in sports. We all like sports. We also all like kind of nerdy pop culture stuff. So this begs the question that I have, which is, which has the worst set of fandoms, sports or like nerd pop culture Star Wars-y kind of areas? Wow. Who's, which is worse? Who's worse? Uh, I'm having a hard time with it because it's it. I, I've seen awful on all over the place. All over the place. I will say that 
there is an ownership and entitlement in <laughs> in pop culture and in, in kind of the nerdy pop culture world that I, I think in sports there is unhealthy obsession, but there is also sort of this understanding that owners are billionaires who own the team and we can kind of do our little part, but we are sort of spectators in all this. We are not as involved. Whereas I think there's a weird kind of breaking down of that wall in in film world now, or especially around beloved comic book tropes or, or storylines. And there's this belief that there is fan ownership, which is kind of cool, but also can be weaponized in scary ways. So uh, I, I, then again, I'm yelled at by sports people all day, so maybe I'm kind of immune to it. But I think that's kind of an interesting thing to see. Fan ownership has been a thing for decades, ever since football and basketball and baseball have ever been around, you know, kind of way before the internet. You know, you've had that, like, like you said, the obsessives who just like live and die for their teams. You know, when, when Dodgers moved to LA from Brooklyn, you know, you have Jersey people, you know, torching jerseys and going mm -hmm. ballistic and everything. Now you have, like pop culture fandoms who've gotten to that point, they just don't have, you know, lighters and jerseys. They have, you know, Twitter. a keyboard and a Twitter account. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is, so it's less violent, I guess. It's the kind of an, in, the internal, like, it's not hatred, but it's just like they they have to, they have their opinions and they have to, like, they don't, under, they don't understand anybody else's opinions, but theirs and they can't understand that, like, other people can have other opinions. And I think it's just we've you know the fandoms have gotten to that point now because, like you said, you know they've they've found things to weaponize their opinions. And you know, I one of my favorite writers and people, Spencer Hall, he he and I had a conversation. He said that identity is hijackable, and I think with sports teams, a lot of people have created part of their identity and their sort of life around these you know sports teams. And we're seeing that now more and more in, in pop culture, where you know if I didn't like a new Marvel movie, and I say that. On Twitter, it's not just like, oh, I saw a movie, I didn't care for it much. That is kind of an attack on their personal identity, and then it becomes extremely personal for people, and that's where things cross the line and get a little scary sometimes. Well, and it's a tribalism that, like, there, there's an outlet because you have, like, Redskins Cowboys or Yankees Red Sox. I mean, you have, like, contests that, like, pit each other, you know, that you can root for your team against the other one, and there's almost, like, a bit of a catharsis with that. It was like, oh, well, the Yankees won this time. We'll get them next. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, you have no, like, Star Wars, Marvel, like, <laughs> thing. you know, there's no, like, matchup there other than pe in people's minds or, like, you know, Captain America's not going to throw down with Superman on a movies, movie screen yet. There's not, there's not that catharsis. It's just a bunch of people yelling at each other <laughs> and, like, no one's getting anything done because there's no, there is no, like result to it yeah i, I was just gonna say it's i think the difference is with sports you have an end result yeah. that you can point to so it's like redskins cowboys they play a game whoever wins they're the better team that day and you'll see him next year or kind of later in the season or something if you do marvel versus dc it's subjective and so you can't really pinpoint definitive you might say oh box office this is more popular but it's like there's no like definite end that you see where it's like oh it's clear you know they have they're the winner right yeah. um and that seems to be the big difference um but okay 2020 time abrupt shift um so a lot <laughs> master of the segue over master of the segue yes absolutely this is getting 2020 off on the right foot um so a few things have happened already the mandalorian ended uh sadly yeah the witcher suddenly became really popular and even though I like it, I'm still confused how that's happening. But 
You're not the only one. (laughs) (laughs) But there's a lot of other fun stuff to be excited for in 2020. So we're going to dig into that. Here's how we'll do it. The three of us are going to each pick two things that we're really excited for for 2020. And we'll talk about, you know, why we're excited, kind of digging a little more in that. And there we go. So let's start with Nate, since he's a special guest this week. What's your first movie, TV show, game, anything 2020 that you're really looking forward to? Uh, should I start with earnestly looking forward to or perversely excited about? Let's do the perversely one. Yeah. It's, let, yeah let's, Sophie's choice. You know, yeah, whatever. Right. Let's go for it. I'm perversely excited for the High Fidelity TV show, which I don't know if you guys have heard about. It's not bad. It's not bad. I don't know if I'm supposed to say it or not. But like it's not, uh, yeah, it's not horrible. And this is the one based on the John Cusack movie. On the John Cusack mm-hmm. movie, in which uh, Lisa Bonet played a brief love interest of his, and now her daughter Zoe Kravitz is playing John Cusack, down to having the same name, yeah. Rob, and owning a, a bisexual r- version of John Cusack. Okay, which I'm, I'm not sure that there was like a huge throng of people clamoring for a high fidelity remake in 20 <laughs> i mean this movie came out what 15 20 years ago or something yeah like roughly that? It's a great movie jack black's wonderful in it. It, it it's doing a lot of stuff on breaking down the fourth wall and all sorts of fun stuff based on the nick hornby novel but for me i'm just sort of fascinated i'm always curious about you know why something is made and, and what it has to say that's new or different and for me it's sort of like oh they're doing some weird meta stuff with with zoe kravitz playing uh John Cusack, sort of, but that's a weird kind of meditational sort of reference. But um, so I, I'm excited just to see what they do with it because I love that film, and so I will watch just sort of. And but it sounds like it's okay, so that's cool. Well, then I came in with with a healthy bunch of skepticism too, and it, like it does follow the movie. Like if you've seen the movie, like as many times as I have, I mean, you like there are lines, you know, there are like you know certain camera things that are very much like. They probably get from the Hornby novel, but it's 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 just interesting because you spend more time. I mean, two hours you spend in a movie, and I haven't seen all of the show, but I mean, there's certain parts of it that I've you know, like three or four episodes, I think. So you get to spend more time with her and and the, you know, the kind of the two people she works with at the record store, and you know, they follow the same story beats of the of the movie. But actually, it's not it's not terrible. I was expect I was expecting terrible, and it was not terrible. Okay, because in the trailer they have like as you were saying, line by line, shot by shot, uh, kind of references to the film, and sort of like, all right, so we just changed the person, and we're making the same thing, which is but okay, good. I'm I uh, you know, if it's gonna be good, then I'm excited now. So, is there any direct connection in the movie? Like, is this? picking up within that timeline of the movie or it's like it is the movie of, it's just they redid it's the, the movie. movie interesting you know rob who's only kind of his character it's like sometime after she she's been dumped and she doesn't know when to get back into it and you know and she decides to kind of like look back at like the, her loves i mean it is the movie and she has top five lists and you know all, the, all that kind of stuff and that's what's because i assume when i first heard about it i assumed she will be somehow the daughter of of Rob or something or or it will take over this and it'll be a 2019 or 2020 I guess uh update on now what's going on in Chicago now what's going on in music but no they just they just made the same thing <laughs> so interesting okay Brian what is your pick for 2020 there's so much cuz i mean there's like the, you know there's the black widow movie yeah. um the eternals yeah. You know, New Mutants, I'm actually kind of excited for. I'm torn. Um, we'll talk about that later. Birds of Prey, I'm kind of excited for. Wonder Woman, I hope, hope you know, cautious optimism. But I'm kind of most intrigued by Tenet, which is the new Christopher Nolan movie that, like, 
no one knows anything about and he like won't tell anybody about anything and it has like a trailer that's like really cool but you have no idea what the frig's going on and i kind of love that because it's very much like inception where like you got you got the trailer but you like you have no you had no clue what that movie was about until you sat through that and you're like oh and you and after it ends you still don't know what you just saw but you're just like that was cool because it made you think and that's the thing about Nolan's films, you know, from Interstellar to even the Batman films, it, they always make you think about something and always upend your expectations about whatever, whatever it is that they're talking about, whether it's Joker or space travel or like, you know, heist movie kind of stuff. This is supposed to be kind of a spy, you know, I guess Tenet starts as a spy thriller and kind of like goes some weird, strange places. Looks like kind of some time travel kind of things, you know. I'm really interested to kind of see what, what he does here. And Robert Patton's in it, Batman, um, new Batman. We'll kind of see more of him. He's a really good actor as, you know, say what you will about Twilight films. Dude has had a really good, you know, filmography since then. And, but John David Washington, he was in Black Klansman. Uh, he was in Baller. He was on Ballers. He's the, he's the hero of this film. I love him to death. So I can't wait to see kind of what he does in that kind of weird Nolan world. Because I think he's going to be he's going to be very much kind of the point of view and the grounded part of like why we're going to get into the story and, you know, all the kind of the weird stuff that happened. I always wonder with Christopher Nolan, because, you know, you talked about the Batman films. I always wonder what would have happened if he had stuck around and done more of the DC stuff, because I know that's something that a lot of people wanted from him, considering how well Dark Knight and all the Batman films did. And I mean, I'm glad he didn't because the stuff that he's put out since then is really remarkable. But I am always curious about the what if he had stuck around and tried to do some of the DC stuff. But then again, he may not have been really interested in that anyway. Honestly, I'm glad he didn't. Because, I mean, look at how kind of craptastic it got. And I'm glad, you know, I, he did his three Batman movies. And then, you know, somebody like that doesn't need to be doing like a lot of the superhero stuff but i mean he's such an interesting guy you know thinker and filmmaker and everything don't waste your time on superhero movies that like ain't, they ain't gonna get better than dark knight or even batman begins dark knight rises kind of sucked you know i loved interstellar because it looked at sci-fi in an interesting way stuff that was familiar but then stuff that like like kind of blew your mind a lot in terms of like trippiness and like big kind of high concept stuff inception was great because he like he took on the heist film prestige was magic stuff so i mean he always kind of brings an interesting um set of skills and and thinking to like a, a genre that's very kind of like eh, you know it's very you know it's just you know familiar so yeah I, I i can't wait for 10 i can't wait to do see what else he can kind of go for after this nate do you have a favorite christopher nolan film i'm a dunkirk guy actually um i love nolan sometimes I think he can try and pack a few too many ideas into his films and he needs someone there to be like, hey, man, okay, we've done Extraction. Now we're doing Inception. Now we're doing like, and I, I loved Inception yeah. and, and Interstellar, like the last half hour, I was like, whoa, Chris, like, just, <laughs> just end it, buddy. You don't need this. Like, he wanted to make six movies in one. And so, you know, with Tenet, I'm really excited. It was actually on my list. And just visually, I think he is so interesting and, and, from a storytelling perspective, he's daring and he wants to try things. But I love Dunkirk just because it kind of reined him in a little bit. Like, and they, he just had to tell kind of a conventional story. And when he is sort of limited in a way, I think that actually brings out the best in him. Otherwise, 
sometimes he can just like the plots get going and then we're in the fifth slup subplot of an hour and a half movie and i'm just sort of like i don't even know what's going on right now <laughs> it's a lot yeah a lot to absorb definitely um okay let's shift now from movie to video game because that is obviously my pick for 2020 I don't even know if this game is technically coming out in 2020, but I'm going to assume it is. And it's an obvious choice that we have already talked about. And it's something that Brian, I'm sure, is shocked that I picked. Madden 2021? Close. You're lucky. <laughs> lucky guess. Lucky guess. Um, no, it's actually Overwatch 2, which is supposed to come out, I think, next, this year. But it is technically a sequel. What's interesting about it, though, is the thing we've seen in video games lately is, you know, there's a really great game that comes out and then they release a sequel and it's a whole new game, a whole new identity. What we started seeing with stuff like Fortnite is they have a quote sequel, but it's really just the same game. They've just kind of reimagined it into something new and completely different. And you're not really having to worry about, oh, I need to get the next game to you know enjoy this one. And there you get into a lot of that. And especially with online games, um, you know, in order to get the latest, greatest, most current version, you have to buy that. And instead with Fortnite and now with Overwatch 2, if you have the original game, you can play with people that have the new one and vice versa. I think that's part of what makes it appealing. The other thing that's really great, too, is they're actually trying to tell more of a story with these characters, which I think a lot of people will enjoy because Brian raised his hand just now. Um, On a podcast, I raised my hand, by the way. Smart thinking, buddy. Yep. Smart thinking. <laughs> 2020 going well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... I like that element because there are a lot of really interesting characters and they've already kind of built a backstory through some other events that they've done over the course of the last three, four years now that the game's been out. And they've also wrapped into that a lot more reward and incentive for players who, you know, have been playing it for a while, like myself. But what I find most interesting is going to be the newer players because now they have this story that they can go to. And honestly, I think it's a better entry point because... With online games, they're very the the bar of difficulty is so much higher, and unless you've been playing for a long time, it's hard to really just jump into something. With a story, you can kind of kind of wade your feet in, get a feel for it, see if you like it, and then you can do more beyond that. Um, it is something really interesting they're doing, I think, with the story and just in general releasing it. So I'm really excited for it. I'm obviously going to get it as soon as it's out. So that's me. Nate, do you play any video games at all? I play FIFA. I'm a soccer guy. And I play Football Manager, which is kind of a manager simulation game that takes up way too much of my time and I need to get off of it because my wife gets mad at me. I feel like FIFA has become a lot more popular in the last few years as far as the sports games because, I mean, you know, everyone talked about Madden for the longest time, but I think lately everyone's realized how good FIFA is as a franchise, pretty much. An MLS pro esports team just signed Jay Ajay to their esports team. Jay Ajay was a running back for the Philadelphia Eagles, and now he plays for the Philadelphia Union's esports team in FIFA, which is really kind of strange and interesting. It's a Brave yeah, new world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, Nate, next pick. What is you, you mentioned the first one was kind of the perversely excited pick. What is this one? This is the true excitement pick, and all... Oh, I'll stick with TV. I'm going to say Barry season three, which is coming out. Uh, Barry, the HBO show, which I just fell completely in love with. Um, I had my first child this year, which was great, but I had a lot of late nights to just kind of catch up on TV, which I haven't in a while. And I just devoured Barry. I just think it's it's smart. It's funny. It I, I didn't know how they were going to kind of keep it going. And it, it functions in a weird way, like kind of a slapstick breaking bad and sort of one decision leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. And they kind of have to deal with the consequences of that. But 
just think Bill Hader's charming, and I, I just Henry Winkler's fantastic. I, ju- I just love the whole world that they've created. Anthony Kerrigan, Noho Hank from from that, is in Bill and Ted Face the Music, and that's kind of one of the reasons why I'm so excited about that is because I love that guy. I just want to see him and what because he and he's also in Gotham. And I, I can't, you know, I want to see whatever that guy does because he's just so he's such a good actor. When does the third season kick off? That I don't know. Probably later this year. Last one was like summer, I believe. I think so. So it'll probably be around that time. And they got to replace Ballers and Silicon Valley with something. So they yeah. got to they got to come back with it fast. Well, like HBO's in a weird spot because they don't have Game of Thrones and Watchmen from everything I've heard is phenomenal. You haven't watched Watchmen yet? No. Oh, you oh, need to watch God, Watchmen. Man. Come on. It's on it's on uh, App Store on Apple, so I'm gonna, I think I'm just going to buy it. It's great. It. Yeah, it's great. But they have a weird hole now. It's like what's I mean, Succession maybe. I don't know. I don't know. What's their big show? Well, right outside, the Outsider starts this weekend. And that's, I think that'll be a big deal. Because that's based on the, the Stephen King book. And I don't think they've done Stephen King yet. So I'm, I'm really interested to kind of see what they do with that. Oh, and they, and they got um, Lovecraft Country, which I think that'll be, that'll be big for them. They don't have anything like obvious. So I think they got to like, they got to throw out a lot of like, they, they, wanna, they want that, you know, Game of Thrones, Watchmen thing. So they're going to th- throw a lot of stuff at the wall. But I feel like Barry's kind of, they know that's going to be a hit. So they're going to probably bring that back as fast as possible. As, and for Emmy time, because they want to win Emmys again. There we go. Brian, what is your next pick? What is my next pick? Oh, yes. Yes. So going back to Marvel, because um, we can't talk about Star Wars because there's really nothing interesting to talk about Star Wars for a while other than Mandalorian season two is coming back and more adventures of baby Yoda um, outside of Mandalorian. I don't think I want to talk about Star Wars. ever. I, I, honestly, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of Star Wars other than the Mandalorian, um, which is kind of interesting because the Mandalorian goes back to like the George Lucas stuff and like forgets everything else. And I think that's, I, that's probably important what we need to do with Star Wars moving on. Um, so Black Widow and the Eternals are like the you know kind of we ended the big Marvel saga with Avengers Endgame and like I don't even know how you follow that because that was like you know just tremendous. So now we got Black the Black Widow solo film which is a prequel and so I think I think that could be good. I don't know. I just uh, like I'm not that excited for. It. I mean I think it's going to be it'll be good because it's a Marvel film. They don't they don't they usually don't suck. But I just I can't get a lot of excitement for it. And then the Eternals, I'm just like, I don't even know what they're going to do with that. Because that's, I mean, that's like, they haven't thrown anything at the wall in a while. With no backstory, no characters, you know, we don't know any of these people yet. So it's just like, so here's a super here's a super team of like, you know, a different race of alien people. Go to town. I don't know how you sell that. They made a multi-million dollar movie with a raccoon and a talking tree. So that I, is I, that, I, that is the only that thing helps. that gives me hope. But so so those are the two things. And then New Mutants, I, I hope they either use a tag or they do something to kind of like hook that in because because then you can introduce mutants in an interesting way. You know, before you really get dig into them, you can be like, here are young mutants. Here's their problems. Now we're going to fix it. Now we're going to like hook it into everything. But. Honestly, but like the Mandalorian, I think, you know, the thing that gets uh, most excites me about Marvel this year is the, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is a continuation of the story of the new Captain America, which or a.k.a. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I and they're bringing back Baron Zemo. It's going to have kind of a lot of that probably same kind of political thriller kind of vibe. 
that both Captain America Winter Soldier and Civil War had. So I'm really excited about this because I, I, I love I love Falcon. I love Winter Soldier. Baron Zemo was cool because it was one of the, it was one of the Marvel villains that like he wasn't like kind of mustache twirling. There was a reason for his villainy, which, you know, like an emotional reason for it you know, like the, like the best villains that they have. So I, I've, I'm really excited about that. And, and, and that's what drove me notes about, about the Mandalorian was the fact of they didn't release it all at the same time. It was like this weekly thing that I had to wait for, but you know, and so I initially kind of like balked at it because man, I was like, I'm in the Netflix mode of like, I want to watch my stranger things, like 12 hours straight of it. I'm forcing, forcing you to do that. And they're going to force us to do that with Falcon and the winter soldier and everything they put out. It makes you love it more. Because it makes you like, you know, you wait for it and you 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 cherish it more because you've waited like a whole week for it. So I can't wait. Well, this gets to an interesting debate that I've seen people had since The Mandalorian, which is what's better, the binge mode or the week to week like drip of episodes? Because, yeah, I mean, I think people were talking about Mandalorian for way longer than they probably would have otherwise mm-hmm. if they had just released it all at once. Like Stranger Things. Stranger Things was fantastic and it was really popular but all the conversation faded within like the first couple weeks and with mandalorian like i mean there's still baby yoda memes going around we talked about baby yoda for two months yeah we i mean if it it had just been out like if it had just dropped in one weekend it would have been a week a weekend of like baby yoda like and then 24 7 but then he was gone yeah are you nate are you more binge mode or the week-to-week episode release I think it's higher risk, higher reward sort of with the week to week. You have to really believe in the product and the ability because I think just as many of us, if Baby Yoda didn't catch on and John Favreau didn't sort of create this space Western world that captivated us so much, I think I could have watched like one or two and been like, later, I'm out. Like, uh, you know, maybe when, they, when they're all out, I'll sit down and, and decide if I want to do it. So I understand kind of the the binge mode argument and I... I think I'm like, Brian, I prefer that. If, if if I have the option, I like to just be able to sit down and kind of enjoy something. But you can't argue with how well The Mandalorian worked. And I think if you have the right storytellers and the right story, then then you can kind of get away with it. But you got to really you got to really trust in who's making it and, and how good it is or else you're just going to lose everyone. And, it's, and it has to be like a Marvel or Star Wars thing that, you know, you come into it with some baggage. To a degree where, you know, you, you come in as a fan or, you know, you just don't you just don't pick up like, oh, hey, I'm going to watch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I've never seen any of these movies before. You just there's not many people like that. Whereas like, you know, Servant, which I just binged on Apple TV like that, that, you know, it's it's a it's a week to week thing. And I just waited for them all to come. But I don't know if I would have been as interested week to week. If if I did it, because it was, just, you know, it's. If if you come in fresh to something, and like The Witcher, you know, it was like you know, people knew The Witcher from the video games or the comics or things, but like the reason why that took off was because they just binged that whole goddamn thing. Well, I was gonna say if you if you went week to week and just went off the first episode of The Witcher, you probably would have bailed. Exactly. Um, I bailed after ten minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> even even bingeable, I bailed after ten minutes. So sorry, Nate Witcher. is not tossing a coin to The Witcher. <laughs> Hate to break it to you. Um. Okay, my last pick. I was hesitant at first when I heard about this, but then I saw the trailer, and now I'm really excited for it. It's uh, Top Gun Maverick, which comes out, I believe, this summer. Uh, Tom Cruise is back as Maverick, obviously. Still pretty much the same guy, even 30 
still thirty is a thirty or forty yeah thirty, 30 years four thirty years. four years after the original Top Gun, still kind of doing the same thing. This time though, he is teaching a new group of recruits, including Goose's son, which is Rooster, freaking amazing, Rooster. <laughs> But wait, wait, they really named him Rooster. Oh yeah. Oh, there's Rooster, there's Flyboy, the the one female pilot's Phoenix. Perfect. Yeah. Oh man. Good stuff. See, it's gonna be great. I know it's gonna be so terrible, but like so good. <laughs> no, but the reason. So I'm really excited for it because yeah, it's it's Top Gun, and it's probably gonna be like sort of kind of sort of rehashing the old movie, but all the effects and all the stunts and stuff are gonna be so modern, and you know they just look even just the trailers look amazing. So that I'm looking forward to, I think, most of all, is seeing a lot of the tricks they do in the planes. But just seeing Maverick back again is fantastic. You know, Tom Cruise in this role is great. Jennifer Connelly in, frankly, any movie is great. And then just having Goose's son is like, I I wasn't even expecting that, but just to have that on Rooster! Top Rooster! Rooster! <laughs> Tom Cruise's and, best roles are also the ones that kind of hint at, like, a sad, dark truth about him, too. Like in Magnolia, where he's playing sort of this perverse, grotesque version of himself. And now Maverick is this aging guy who won't really let go of youth and still trying to like do stunts and stuff it's like oh man he's basically playing himself and yeah, that's fantastic exactly still on the bike still with the freaking beach volleyball like i'm just like it, well that's so and that's the kind of thing i think you know so much of stuff we want because we want something fresh we want something like innovative with it no <laughs> i want the exact same movie i saw 34 years ago again this is like the meatloaf mashed potatoes comfort food of right. movies basically yeah, John Hamm like chewing scenery as like a, a like instead of um Tom Skerritt, just like like put the Iceman character, put some young guy there, Goose Rooster. You know, it's just perfect. That's all you need to do. Just plug and play. I think Val Kilmer's coming back for this too, right? Yeah, but he's gonna be like, oh, he's not gonna get into a plane. Glenn Powell, upcoming national treasure that he is, I think he's gonna be kind of that that Iceman like jerky '80s villain kind of thing. Val Kilmer's going to steal this movie. I'm predicting that right now. I he, think he's going to watch. He's perfect in everything. Yeah. He, his his performance in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is maybe my favorite sort of half cameo, even though he's in most of the movie performance of the last like 20 years. And not I a predict, terrible Batman. Not a terrible Batman. Yeah, I, believe, okay, Batman. I believe in Val Kilmer. One chomp of the teeth and it's over. You know, he's set. He's done everything he needs to do. But it's funny, though. Like, you just look at this like Val Kilmer looks nothing like he did. And then Tom Cruise like looks almost younger than he did 34 years ago. <laughs> which is really scary. It's way is crazy. Absolutely scary. Um, also, shout out to the Top Gun video game, which was great, except for the part where you had to land the oh, God. carrier. Oh, that was, was terrible. Awful. That was the worst. Oh, brutal. Brutal, brutal. Um, okay, listeners, it's your turn. Are you excited for 2020, minus the impending apocalypse that's happening? If we make it all the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we get to the end of 2020, like, what are some of the things you're most excited about? Uh, let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod. You can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And Nate, where are you? I'm at A Nate Scott. Uh, don't forget, you can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Again, a podcast. When does it drop? The Sneak is out on January 14th. You can subscribe on Apple now, but it'll be on Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get podcasts on January 14th. Next week. Awesome. Subscribe. Yeah, subscribe, download, do it. We'll wrap it up right here. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producer of the mothership, Claire Thornton. You can follow her on Twitter too, Claire underscore Thorntoe. Not like a thorny toe, but T-H-O-R-N-T-O. Uh, if you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to the mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a review because it helps other people find the show and we'd love the feedback. 
Um, if Apple Podcasts isn't your thing, you can also find us on SoundCloud or Stitcher or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, happy 2020. Until next Friday, nerds out. Later. Thanks, guys.